Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only color fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Centering Sunday morning's clash, it has been 69 years since Wales have last beaten the All Blacks. The streak is set to continue after our boys dismantled the Welsh in Cardiff to make it five wins on the trot in international rugby. Lauren Jenkins as a presenter and journalist for S4C and BBC Sport. She joins us to talk about what she witnessed from both sides yesterday morning. Morning, Lauren, or should I say good evening to you yeah, over there in yeah. Wales. Good evening. <laughs> yeah, Sunday evening over here. Um, yeah, just getting our heads around the results. But how are you guys? We are good. We're good. We're, we've had a, a great weekend of sport here down under. We had our Black Ferns beating the French, so we're really, really happy. The Kiwis limping over the Fiji in the league, so no, we've had a great weekend of sport. Were fans pretty convinced entering the game that Wales had the All Blacks beat? Um, do you know what? I don't think anyone had them down as favourites. Um, I don't think anyone really tipped them to win but a lot of people thought they had a chance you know and you hear Dean Foster mm. after the game yesterday say, yesterday say well crit- critics can say what they like but it's now five wins in a row for, for the All Blacks but you know it is true they beat Wales here last year and then lost six of the next eight against top 10 teams so of course Wales off the back of an away win in South Africa would have felt they had a chance but ultimately um yeah, look, they were taken to the cleaners by the pack, blown away at the breakdown and were pretty sloppy in defence. And I think yesterday, more than ever, a lot of Welsh fans um, were left thinking, why, oh, why did we leave Sean Edwards go? And you know what? I think it'll be one of Wayne Pivak's biggest regrets because um, for all he's trying to do an attack, you can't build momentum or win games if your foundations are in place. And it, yeah, it's pretty disappointing all around. The, the mood is quite disillusioned in Wales at the minute. Laura, do you, do you think the Welsh side probably was lacking a bit of game time leading into the start of the Autumn Nation series? Well, yeah, on the one hand, they do. And for whatever reason, um, Wales seem to play New Zealand in that first match. Um, they come into camp. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's something that's them to schedule in. And presumably in the last two years, that's been the only time it's worked to get them. 
But now there's suddenly a balance between, well, a New Zealand game will always sell out. We need to get it financially. And people suddenly thinking, well, we keep on shipping 50 points against New Zealand. I'll I'll stay at home. And it was interesting because when Pivac not necessarily used it as an excuse, but did refer to it in the post-match press conference yesterday, whereas Andy Farrell, off the back of a win against South Africa, said... Um, they come into camp, the Irish pack come into camp every single time. They get to work um, and there's plenty of confidence in the side. And a lot of it's down to culture, the attitude and the one to get better. I thought they showed fantastic spirit. So, you know, we could go into the pathway. We could go into how successful the provinces have been. But ultimately, it was a talented 15 Wales put out there yesterday and for whatever reason, didn't gel. Well, do you think the disruption, obviously losing Dan Bigger and then um, you've got Gareth Anscombe coming in late, did that play its part? And, and what's your thoughts on George North, the big man playing at centre? Have have you, are you convinced that that's his position? That's a position for him? Yeah, I think George North and Nick Tompkins went fairly well when Pivak has used 18 different combinations in midfield. Mm. Finally, he seems to have settled on that partnership. But I think one of the biggest aspects was Wayne had said in the week he selected a side to counter an expansive New Zealand, picking two open sides in Justin Tipperick and Tommy Raffle. Yet the truth is the All Blacks played quite a direct and are playing quite a direct brand of rugby these days. And what Wales actually needed yesterday was probably the physicality on the gain line they showed in South Africa which Dan Lydiot was a big part of. But more generally, I, I don't know if anyone in Wales can say right now how Wales will play and who will be lining up. Because their best performances recently have been that sort of pressure game, better without the ball, kicking well, which is actually the opposite of what Wim Pivak was meant to be about. You know, he, he came from the Scarlet. <laughs> played a lot of rugby, played an offloading game, played off turnover ball. Wales didn't win one turnover in the whole game yesterday. And I think as a coach, he is kind of caught in between perhaps the style he wants to play and the style he can play with the resources that are available to him, particularly at international level. Hey, Laura, what did you make of Geordie Barrett's move to 12? Well, yeah, he, he got the best of Rio Dyer, didn't he? Um, but... Yeah, look, I think from having spoken to some of the Kiwi journals over here, they were kind of saying it's what the what they wanted to see and what the New Zealand public wanted to see, um, but not necessarily what he thought Ian Foster would have gone with. But yeah, look, I I thought I, I thought he was great, but I think the all the papers over here today they're all talking about Adi Surveyor. Stuart Barnes in the time this morning. Um, he wrote, he might not be the captain of this New Zealand team, but he's the heart, the soul and the essence behind the whole operation. Sam Warburton on commentary yesterday said, you know, give him world player of the year right now because he's head and shoulders above any other player in world rugby. And in any other game, you'd be speaking about his opposite number to Lupe Falatau, who made more, I think it was actually one fewer tackle for Wales than he'd ever made in any game yesterday. And look, he's been around for 10 years plus. Yet he's barely mentioned post-match because Ardy just had such a fantastic game and was, you know, just dominant in in every tackle, in, in every collision. 
There's been a lot of uncertainty down here, Lauren, and uh, so we're still a little bit apprehensive of where we're kind of seeing where the All Blacks are at. But that was it was a surprising performance because of what unfolded against Japan. But hey, that was a totally different squad. Where do you see the All Blacks at right at this moment, heading into a World Cup? Are you confident that they're back to their best, or still a hell of a lot of work to do? I think, uh, you know, they still look like a team that will score plenty of points against lower ranked sides. And where Wales were, yes, you know, I would class Wales as a lower ranked side yesterday. A few hours ago, I would have told you that a big performance against England would be more of a sign. But England have just lost by a point (laughs) to Argentina. Yeah, yeah. So ultimately, at the moment, um, Ireland and France are the teams to beat without a shadow of a doubt. And, and I think that's realistically where New Zealand need to be measuring themselves against a year out from the World Cup. And look, you know, the, perhaps um, your listeners won't like listening to this, but the recent results against Ireland might tell you more about the team than, than this weekend's results mm. against Wales. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's right. You've still got that in the back of our minds Laura, what about uh, Wales up against Argentina next with Argentina beating the English? What what does your team need to do and what does Wayne Pivac, you sound like there's a few problems going on there in the coaching structure. What needs to happen? Yeah, well, I mean, they need to settle on a back row. You know, you look at Argentina today, they have a hard carrying back row who could cause chaos in Cardiff next week. And Suddenly, after beating England, I see them coming to the Principality as favourites, which is the first time I've ever said that. Their wing, Emiliano Buffali, who plays for Edinburgh in the URC, scored 25 points. Um, but to be, you know, you, you analyse the game, and they actually did to England what they did to New Zealand. They had 37% possession, 27% territory. I think they beat New Zealand in their scoring one try which perhaps you know look back at the Wales game and they should have altered their tactics but um yeah look it's there there are lots of problems in Welsh rugby at the minute there's no the regions that with four domestic teams here who don't know their budget for next year which means you've got some world-class players likes of George North who can't be re-signed, who can't be nailed down to a region because there's so much tension between the union um, and the regional setups. They could be going into an international game, get injured and their stock suddenly falls. I'm ashamed to say that the union really aren't looking after their players or the domestic game, which is going to trickle through to the international setup. The only thing I would say is that Wayne Pivak was more than aware of that when he took the role. He had a year notice before he even took the reins and he'd been working at the Scarlets for some time beforehand. So um, he would have known what he was getting himself into. Just quickly, Lauren, uh, is this a a collective for the whole entire of Europe with all the franchises? We've seen what's happened with Worcester and Wasp. Are, Are you expecting more? to struggle out of this financially and are we going to see a little bit of a downfall in European rugby? Yeah, I mean, potentially. The one thing I would say is that the England, the Irish and the Welsh setups are are very different and I perhaps wouldn't use the term European rugby because I think Ireland have got it spot on. You know, their union controls their provinces. They've got fantastic... Um, development systems, fantastic schools, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet and um, y- the problems are a lot more obvious in 
in Wales and in England, although, you know, the Premiership clubs own their players in England and it's, it's a kind of hybrid of the both that's going on in Wales. But look, ultimately, yes, there's a lack of money in rugby and not many clubs are making a profit at the minute and success breed, you know, success is what gets people through the turnstiles. So it's, it's not looking great. And, um, you know, for you think under Wayne Pivak, right, Wales have won a six nation. They've won away in South Africa, but Russ Petty, yep. who's a superb rugby statistician on Twitter, pointed out that in 24 tests against the top 10 teams, they've only won six, and six of those wins, three of them, the opposition had a red card, and the South Africa one saw the box make 14 changes. So perhaps that's slightly papered over the cracks, and Wales are in a slightly worse position than even we tend to think they are. Which isn't the, you know, not the way to start a Monday morning. <laughs> um, but, but look, it, you know, I think rugby has got a lot of issues to address and we, we can really barely touch upon them. You know, whether it's the financial issues, whether it's concussion, whether it's how complicated the game is and how you engage fans. Um, but yeah, it, it, all those things are, are currently being discussed across numerous podcasts in Wales at the minute. Well... A lot, lot myself. Our listeners are loving your insights, um, Lauren. We appreciate you coming to our show. She said, knows more about footy than most. Brilliant. That is from Matt. So I totally, totally agree. Thank you so much for all those insights and uh, leading us what's My going pleasure. on in Wales rugby at the moment. Thank you very much, Lauren Jenkins, BBC Sport S4C. Thank you so much and, and all the best. Hopefully we can chat to you soon. Monday. There she is. Man, she was phenomenal, Kim. She? <laughs> so knowledgeable. She was rattling off all the other games and all the stats in the mm. other games too. Oh, very good. Very good. Good get, boys. Yeah, great get. Great get. It just shows, eh? Like, you look at all the, the, the best uh, broadcasters in the world. Man, they just do their mahi. Dig deep into those stats, and they know a lot about the game and sport than most. And uh, Laura Jenkins, well, she was one of those. So appreciate that. Um, awesome, awesome chat. There's a few messages coming through on the text machine. I like Geordie at 12, but the real test will be against England, who will almost certainly apply a more aggressive defence. That is from Jamie. So he's getting a little bit more convinced, but after that English test, we'll know really where Geordie sits, and there's another one there from Tim. We'll get to, oh, I'll read it right now before we get off the off-the-back fence here, Kempe. Lads, Geordie is our 12, and I think ALB at 13. But if Geordie is going to play 12 at the World Cup, he has to play every game in the next year in that position. I don't want to see him running around at 15 for the Canes. That is from Tim. Ooh, Jace Holland. Make that call and keep him at the uh, keep him at 12 for the Canes. That is the difference. Whether Foster and Co. had that much pull to be able to do that. It was great to chat to Lauren Jenkins out of uh, BBC Sport. Very, very insightful. Well, they're through the Kiwis to the semi-finals, but not without a massive ski against the Fijians in our last game. Our boys trailed for basically the whole game and got us the win in the last minute. The Kiwis will take on the Kangaroos in the semis and need to take another look at their game plan in order to beat the world champions. Richie Barnett joins us on the line today. Richie, bit of a scare yesterday, mate. What did you think? Yeah, Kempe, is he? Yeah, again, probably not not a good performance. They're they're certainly not hitting their straps yet. Um, they've they've sort of struggled, I, I guess, throughout the, the campaign. They've had a lot of changes uh, in personnel right throughout this whole tournament. They haven't settled into a 
are starting 17 for, you know, I guess since they started, and I guess that's one part of the jigsaw puzzle that they haven't fixed. And secondly, I, I think you want to you want to be playing your best game, I guess, in this, like, the quarterfinals and semifinals. So, yeah, not, not the greatest, but there's always room for improvement, which is good. Hey, Richie, you've been there playing the played in those World Cups, skippered the Kiwis. Where would what do you think our best starting lineup currently would be? Oh, Kempi, <laughs> oh, it's a freaking good question in that. But um, I wouldn't know as much as the coaching staff would in terms of the dynamic that they want and, and how they're going to play the game, how they want. So it's a difficult one, but you know, like I guess that's why a tournament's so important to see who who they feel is the best suited 13 on the field at the time to get maximum bloody results. So, um, mate, I, I just think if Manu gets his ball on the hand more often, mate, it's, he's a strike weapon that needs to be implemented in the game more often. They're coming against an Australian side who have performed extremely well, but I think it comes down to the belief within the side, to be brutally honest, and if they can sharpen that pencil in terms of execution and that, but I always and always will go back to the belief in each of those players that they can do it and when they do have it and, and all those players as we all know have played to the best of their ability right throughout this NRL campaign and been stellar personnel throughout the NRL campaign so there's no question in my mind that these guys can take it out. Richie we know how important and um, you know how much he's needed Jerome Hughes at, at the seven role but his connection with Dylan Brown, has probably Dylan Brown probably been lacking a wee bit. So there's talks of Kira Foran. He came on and added a wee bit of punch there uh, yesterday against Fiji. Is that a selection that you might tinker with? Yeah, I think there there is. I mean, you know what Foz has done over the years. He's so damn experienced. And he, he plays a very similar game, although Dylan Brown has got that X factor where he will cut through the defence uh, with his pace and speed. And, and I guess in, in big-style games... When there's an opportunity to, to seal, um, you have to look at that, that quality of play who will get you to that line. And Dylan, I've really been impressed. I mean, I'm, I fancy how he plays, um, mm. and I think it's it's a big, big decision that they need to make uh, whether they go with experience or whether they go through a player that's performed right throughout this whole season who can turn a game on the dial. I would tend to go for Dylan Brown, to be honest. Yeah. Hey, Richie, so they're up against the Australians, and we all know what the Australians are like, how do you, how do they, no, I'm not going to ask that question, how, I'm going to, I'm going to ask the question, what do they need to do to beat them? I think they, I think, I mean, clearly our Ford pack is a freaking incredible sized and stoic uh, Ford pack. We've seen that. They run great lines and if they can, I think if they can work through that middle but also be creative in terms of how they play the game on the edge because I've got the players to do it. I, I, I know they'll settle into a bit, a bit of a you know 10 minute to 15 minute to earn the right to play, but when there's opportunities, I really hope that they take it and and play positive football because I think it needs to be that style of football. They can't put the cue in that rack at times. I think they really have to exploit it a bit more, play expansive, use the wits of the field, be positive. Um, and I think that'll go a long way to, to pulling apart the, the Australian defensive patterns as well. Oh, mate, it's going to be a huge week for the Kiwis, and hopefully yeah. Madge can find something to to inspire this team taking on Australia. Look, quickly, before we let you go, sorry we haven't got so much time for yourself, Richie, but last week we spoke with your mate, Mike King, 
ahead of Gumboot Friday. How proud were you to see how much Kiwis got behind it this year? Mate, incredible. I was just fascinated by mm. by every little person that came out. No matter if it's $3 or half a million dollars, every New Zealander put their hands in the pocket and they back something that is very dear to our hearts and so important to give free counselling to our children under 25 and they don't have to go through a crisis to get it. The smaller the problem, the better the problem. And I was just fascinated. I, I, I just thank New Zealanders for all their support they do and the continued support that they will provide. Have we got a total yet? Do you, do you have a total of what we've we raised oh, on Friday? I think it's I think it's hitting over a million. There's still a lot more. There's still a, a few events left from last night, and, and they continue on. So we'll get the number very shortly. But yeah, what can you say about New Zealanders? I think we're the best in in terms of charity uh, globally. So yeah, that's a good example of it, right? Beautiful, mate. We appreciate your time. Just quickly, can Samoa defy the odds and beat wow. England? Wow, some more. I never thought that would happen, right? And they've played dreadful football. They put it, they, they've turned it around. And, and like you say, with the Island Nations, anything's possible. Loved it. Yeah. Well done. Some anything's, more. It, anything's possible. Hopefully they can defy odds and upset the host, England. How good. Mate, appreciate your time. Richie Barnett talking league and Gumboot Friday. All the Kiwis. Coming together, raising some money for an unbelievable cause. Thank you so much, Richie. Cheers, brother. Cheers, brothers. Cheers, awesome. Richie. We're going to talk some Black Ferns. A message coming through uh, earlier on in the show. Absolutely enormous, our Black Fern. Wahine Toa. Happy to watch the French 10 shank it under pressure in the 78th minute. Big issue is our clean out at the Ruck, is he? As we lost the ball time after time at the Ruck, Canada showed a way to break England down. So if we clear out at the Ruck, we have a huge chance as we were also held up three times over the line. Excited is an understatement. That is from Joe. Well, he's excited. I'm excited. Kempe's excited. The whole entire of New Zealand is excited. And I'm bet Honey Hitamia Smiler is excited. New Zealand was on the edge of their seats as Caroline Druin, Druin lined up the kick to send France to the World Cup final. But our Black Ferns got the job done, coming from behind to secure a spot in their home rugby World Cup grand final. something. That's what I was saying anyway, but Honey hit him here. Smiler was up and amongst the action at Eden Park last weekend and joins us on the phone now. Morena, Honey. Oh, Morena Kōrua. Oh, Jesus, listening to that again gives me bloody heart palpitations. <laughs> oh, man, I was losing it. When Kennedy caught it, I was like, kick it, kick it. Oh, no, run it. Oh, please, just do something. Stay up. I was losing the plot. Mate, how were the nerves in those last few minutes, Honey? Oh, crazy, crazy. I'll tell you what, in that moment, oh, I'll sit in the commentary box. I just put my mic down, put my, uh, I put my uh, hands in my head, and I thought that was it. We're over. I looked at Ricky and Katie. I said, I'm out. I'm, don't, don't come to me. I've got nothing to say. Oh, I was, I was losing, losing my mind in there, so far out. <laughs> 
What a what a <laughs> result! What a result, eh, honey? Did you seriously during the week when all this conversation was around? We've got to get through France to get to England. Did you think we had a chance actually getting through France? Because I know there were a few people sitting on the fence. Yeah, oh, look, to be honest, I was probably sitting on the fence. I was very nervous and I knew it was going to mm. be, you know, a close-scoring game. So, I mean, because, you know, I think France have been strong throughout, but I've loved the way the Black Ferns have just continued to build throughout this World mm. Cup. And you could just see them really starting to express themselves, getting that confidence in match after match. But I knew this was going to be the only, the only really first up test match. So, um, yeah, far out. It was, it was intense. It was great. It was a great test match. One of the best games I've watched in years. Oh, one of the best games I've watched ever, I reckon, honey. I was just losing it at home, absolutely loving what was all, what I was witnessing there and the women's game as well and truly alive. But for you, from from the start, when we faced Australia, you talked about building the whare. What, what What is the block that you've seen dramatic gains from the from the Black Ferns over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I think just the cohesion and, and them really understanding their, their own combinations and then what they have to offer, that, I suppose, you know, the, the team. And I, I definitely mm. think, you know, we're, we're built specifically in our pack. You know, they've always been a little bit underdone and that's probably where mm. the most of the nerves come from, from the supporters. Um, but you've seen that, and like really in the likes of our young guns coming through, that young Maya uh, Kailani Kawana Ruse, you know, she, she's been outstanding. Oh, yeah. Liana Mikilitu, you know, those young ones coming through and coming through with just that real mongrel and aggression is what I've loved to see. And I think Smithy's got the mix right, you know, with a starting lot, and then he brings on the likes of. Uh, mother, um, Crystal Murray and Santo Toma to, to come and tie She that, was so tie, good. You know, tie out the job and, oh, they, they, they're just coming in with massive impact. You know, Luca Connor, they just bring that next level and that edge and that, and that aggression that you need to tie out, you know, specifically these Northern Hemisphere teams. That, that's, that they're 80-minute players, you know, and they, they're willing to go mm. right down to that last minute, as we've seen um, so often in the past, so... I say this all cautiously as the French team won't pass me. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. it. You can scream it out if you want. Hey, honey, <laughs> this, um, you know, about 12 months ago, you wouldn't have given um, our Black Ferns a chance. And then all of a sudden, Wayne Smith, the changes that have been made uh, have sort of got them up. And you're just talking about Wayne Smith and, and the decisions that he's made around his selections and, and putting people on at the right times. What do you think has been the major change within that coaching structure that, is, that has actually made the difference? Oh, I think, you know, to, to be honest, I can see the influence, influence of Wayne, Whitney, uh, Alan Bunting mm. going in there and just giving the girls the belief and then letting them have, take control of it. I feel like too often we've had coaches uh, come into the women's space and feel like they have to do it all. And, and, um, but actually we've got enough leaders, a vast amount of rugby smarts within that group, group to actually let them take the ownership and let them run with it and, and he's, he's instilled that belief in them and then just almost just handed it over and said, here look, you know, here, here's some of my magic moments and my, my magician moves that he comes out with and then he's just let them go and express themselves and, and that's what I've seen is there's this real belief in amongst the group um, that, you know, that they can actually take this and it's, it's not been about one person throughout this often you, you go into certain campaigns and it can be all revolved around one mastermind or a couple of players or your seven superstars, but that doesn't seem to be the case 
in this situation, it feels like it's a complete unit and they're all going in the right direction and, and that's what you need. And just be, you know, catching up with a few of the girls yesterday, you can just feel it, like whether they're making the 23 or not, they don't care. You know, they're in there and they're just um, just, just backing each other. And that's, really, that, that's what makes really strong teams, right? I'm just loving the authenticity that the the ladies are showing each week. They're so proud and, and you know, they're really honoured to be in a situation and, you, and it just oozes out of them. I'm so, I'm loving it. Loving every single moment. But everything doesn't have, it's not all smooth sailing for our Black Ferns and there would have been a lot of lessons learnt on the weekend. So for those for those things that, that they can probably change and, and tidy up this week, taking on an English side that won't, yeah, you know, give them any room to breathe. Well, what are they, honey? Yeah, oh, look, I just um, think it's going to be, you know, we're leading into this England match, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a full-on, and I don't think they change much on what they're doing. Mm. They've obviously got to tidy up that breakdown area and, and just get, get their cleaners in there faster. I mean, you know, yeah. they like France and their masters in and around the area, so, um, and, and they paid for it. Um, but I think, you know, if we can if we can sort out that area and then I, I just mm. felt like we probably played a little bit flat, a little bit lateral. I maybe need to take mm. a step back because England will bring a very similar defence style uh, as France did. So, yeah, but, uh, you know, the finest footy, anything goes, really. <laughs> just keep going, <laughs> keep going. Oh, I touched on it earlier in the show. I said, look, they don't kick it much, maybe because they just can't kick, so they're just going to run at everything. Do you, do you expect them to see a bit more of a kicking game or just same, same? Um, yeah, look, I think that if they can, um, you know, I, I don't think we've seen much of their kicking game in terms of our <laughs> New Zealand girls. Sorry, but but they've they've got it in them, you know. They definitely got it mm. in them, so they can so they can. Um, Ruahe showed in, the, in that quarter final; she's got a pretty decent long kicking game. Kendra's always, you know, expert with those box kicks. So, and you've got Renee Holmes at the back there; she's a real safety guard for us. So, nah, I think I think we'll, we should sort it all out. And what about the threats Beautiful. from this English side? Um, Mids will def- definitely have them up, the coach, Simon Middleton. But where does their major threat come from, do you think, after seeing the girls play on the weekend? Oh, look, up front, you know, they're, they're pretty tough. And and also the, in the midfield too, you've got Emily Scarrett in there. She, she really stepped up uh, in that Canada game. I think she was probably made, she was the difference in some of those key moments um, up against Canada. So, um, but you know, then you, you flip it over and you look at our midfield and, and the likes of Fitzpatrick and, and Stacey Fuller. I mean, it's been, quite, been unbreakable, really. So, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to pick any one area because there's just been, you know, there's just talent right across it. Well, honey, you've done it all. You're a boxer. You're a you're a cross code superstar. You probably play a bit of cricket, a bit of golf. What do you think of the Kiwi Ferns performance this morning, taking on the Cook Islands? Yeah, they built nicely. Uh, it was a bit of a slow start for our Kiwi friends. Um, but, you know, yep. uh, uh, Cooks are, are a quality outfit too. You know, they've got a few uh, New Zealand-based players in there, a, a few relations, you know, going across with the, with uh, Crystal Rota and, and Anissa's on the other side there. Um, but, yeah, I once they sort of found their feet, they, they got stuck in. Uh, I think Racy, McGregor, you know, having another outstanding game, getting player of the match. Uh, you know, setting up a few and bagging a few and, and bombing a few, actually. <laughs> she gave a pretty bad... Uh, Dummy there, it worked for the first two tries and worked for the last. But, uh, well, you know, they're, they're building nicely. They've obviously got Australia coming up this week in their pool play. So that'll be a, another big test for them. But, uh, yeah, no, they, they look like they're, they're starting to uh, really um, figure out their combinations as well and come together. 
Oh, beautiful, honey. Well, keep up the great work. You're doing a fantastic call every single week. Uh, We appreciate your time this morning. No doubt you'll be a little bit slow. Were you out and about last night, were you? Oh, you know, just just enjoying uh, my day off. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, that was a big night Saturday. What did you have, two hours sleep before you got into the All Blacks bloody build-up? Yeah, two and a half, you know, just just ease off on the makeup and then got got an extra half an hour there, so... <laughs> awesome, mate. You're you're as busy as anything. We appreciate your time this morning on SCNZ. Thanks so much, honey. Hit me a smiler. Uh, go there, go the Black Ferns this week. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. There she is, honey. Man, do you do you see a box, bro? <laughs> yeah, mate. I actually felt oh. I felt sorry for um, the opponent, opponent. Actually, Tegan, Tegan, the my fem host. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I Ooh. knew I knew where Honey was coming from, um, and yeah, that one that one was a mile off. You could see that from mm. a mile off. So not only box like she's she's a gun, mate. I, call, I used to call her um, Money Bull. That was mm. you know honey, instead of Honey, I was, you know, she was like the Sunny Bill of rugby mm. league. Like you throw the throw the football, and she could play, mate. You know, yeah, very very good. Yeah, she's a baller. She's an absolute baller, but she gave some great insights. And yeah, that ruck era, which Joe alluded to earlier on, is is pretty key. That's where it's they were doing be a lot of thing. definitely. Yeah, because they're doing a lot of pick and goes around the ruck, mm. and they were trying to you know encourage take their own take them on to their own game, and and they did it really well. But they got a little bit isolated and individual quite a few times there, the Black Ferns, and then obviously a lot of turnovers from the from the French, which um, you can't do against England. So Canada showed the way. Can uh, the key, uh, the Black Ferns follow suit and get the job done? It was uh, a great chat with uh, Honey Hitting Me a Smiler. Get behind the Black Ferns this week. We're going to build this week, and we're going to talk about it all week and uh, just really pump them up because uh, that's what we should do. That's what we should do. Quick question for you, Kempi. Hey, guys, great show. Do you think Samoa can get up and take revenge on England? Yeah, I do. That is from Jamie from Wanaka. I, I absolutely do. Now that they've beaten Tonga, I think um, Jesus steeled themselves for this one. You know what I mean? And to have the motivation, mm. they now they've got they've got a, a chance of redemption. So it's going to be tough, England on on home soil, uh, but this game against Tonga, it's got them ready, hundred percent. Oh, I hope so. I Battle hope so. Jerome Luai, battle of the Fords, Jerome Luai. They've just got to upset them. Can't let England get into their game, building pressure, momentum, get into the sets of the six. If you think about chaos, playing at chaos, that's what they need to do. Play the. That's what Fiji did. And I touched on last week, Kempi, with the Fiji taking on the Kiwis. You know how they play that really expensive, offloading, ball and play, just a real physical, um, direct game? They did that, and they really surprised them, eh? Yeah, well, that's what happens in Test Football, eh? If you, mm. if you let uh, players get away with that more, I, I guess, expressive approach, it generally throws a spanner in the works, you know? So. Mm. At the at the semi stages, that's what can happen, you know. Yep. If you if you come out and you're you know everything sort of clicks for you because you're giving it a crack, before you know it, you're twelve points behind, and that's what the, that's where the Qs found themselves on the weekend. I actually thought the Fijians sort of shut up shop there. There was a twenty minute twenty minute period in the second half where they just couldn't get themselves back into the game, and and that's probably where they lost it. The Kiwis got back to to level footing, and then they just never had any energy in the back end of that. Uh, um, game to get to get them themselves home, but 
you know, they can, they'll just can't afford to do that against the Australians. That's that's mm. the that's a difference. The Aussies have skill and talent right across that line. So, um, real interesting. Nathan Cleary getting the nod over Daly Cherry Evans. Um, big week for him. This is a big one yep. for him. Big week. Big battle of the halves. Uh, Hughes taking on Cleary. That's going to be a mouth-watering matchup. And get this one, Kippy, before we shoot off. Michael Checker, next Australian cricket coach. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> he, he can coach anything. <laughs> Mate, he was unreal, eh? I can't. I just when Aroha delivered that news, it just really sprung to mind. He was just coaching Lebanon, and then he's gone and coached Argentina to beat England. What, oh, a, what, a, what a chalk and cheese scenario! Mm. Lebanon mm. against Australia in a, in a in a small stadium, no one there, and <laughs> yeah. then all of a sudden, Argentina against England at Twickenham. Yeah. <laughs> He's 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 obviously quite quite a good dude, mate. You know what I mean? If he can yeah. if he can jump ships quite easily, that just shows the head coaching role is more about inspiring, motivating a real team connection and a culture driven kind of role. Mm. Whereas, because you've got a lot of assistants un, under you that do a lot of the hands on coaching, technical tactical side of it, which is um, and that just well paints it. He paints must it have come. Spades, he really. must have come in and delivered one hell of a speech. Because yeah. he wasn't there all week, you know. You're, so he's had to no, talk to them before the game and at half time, and he's got them home. Yeah, and now they'll be eating lots of steak, drinking lots of red wine, enjoying that moment, taking on England and beating England. Eddie Jones in their own backyard. Nature Strip with plenty of challenges. Lofty strike, front page, Rock and Horse. Nature Strip's going to have to lift. Rock and Horse, the centre just in front of Nature Strip. Rock and Horse. Rock and Horse has won it from Nature Strip. Boy, oh boy, what a feeling that must be. The man of the moment, Sammy Williams from Little Avondale Starters on the line with us now. Morning to you, Sammy. Those pockets are full, aren't they? Morning, Izzy. I've got a grin from friggin' ear to ear, mate. <laughs> I tell you what, you, you can't you can't watch that race um, you know, enough times. I tell you what, it was just phenomenal. Look, the whole day, oh. you, you got there, and it was the excitement of actually being part of the day. You know, you're up against the world's best, and, mm. and the quality of horses lined up across those Group 1 races was phenomenal. So it was just exciting to be part of. But, mate, when you started coming at, at Nature Strip, <laughs> I was going, oh, bullshit. Oh, no, go, girl. <laughs> Unfortunately, someone caught by emotions on TV, too, So which is... Yeah, Nigel Tiley rang me this morning and he said, mate, we were watching you riding here and I thought, shit, I put too much weight on her back. <laughs> hey, Sammy, well done, mate. Congratulations. Well, they, they've put that one to bed. The first one, the new market, wasn't a fluke. And you, you're dead right about that field. Giga kick, nature strip, but what about rock and horse, mate? How happy that you that, that are you that no one bought her in the first place and you get to win all this, <laughs> this money with her? <laughs> Yeah, Kevin, um yeah, good morning to you. Yeah, look it's um it's been uh, quite a ride really, you know, for the owners, the syndicate that we've put together in here. We actually syndicated three fillies that year and uh all three of them won on debut and the one that I, I struggled to fill was actually Rockin' Horse and so I only got thirty percent of it done. So um and it's all on a lease syndicate, so I'll take Rockin' 50. Horse she'll come. <laughs> but yeah, she's going to come back to the farm and, and entirely back to the farm as a broodmare. So yeah, but um, look, we're enjoying the ride while it's lasting at the moment. That's for sure. 
Mate, what was what was the feeling like leading into that race? You, you obviously had a chance, but a genuine chance. Like everyone looked past. Obviously, Levante was the big one coming from New Zealand, and everyone, you know, hundreds of one odds in, in the new market group one. You think, oh, maybe it was just one of those races. But what, what was the lead up like for yourself and Katrina? Oh, look, as I said, you know, we went down, um, we arrived on course, and we went there by train and and uh, shot down to see the mayor in the stores and. She was being as cranky as can be in the stores, and she's, you know, pig rooting and double barreling, and uh, and every time the groom left her, she'd get really shitty, and then he brought her over to us, and she was happy as Larry, and I took a couple of photos, she's sniffing the roses and went for a walk. They put her back in the stores, and he literally flipped her up, and he went to go next door, and she got all shitty again. I thought, oh, crikey, she's in a good mood. So, I mean, she looked absolutely magnificent. A couple of people said she was like that on Newmarket Day. I think the big genius stroke was, you know, the Manicato, the, the thunder and lightning that night when the races got cancelled. She got really stirred up, and the next morning Mike rang me, and and they'd had a fair bit of rain, and we discussed it, and I said, you know, how is she? Is she still on in, on edge? And he said, mate, she hardly ate up. And I said, look, let's scratch, you know. There's no point running her. Let's wait for the Darley, because you don't want to go into the Darley you know, not not completely 100%. So I think that was the genius stroke. But her form down the straight, she's had four starts down the straight now for two wins, two seconds. She loves the straight. And look, we were hoping if she could run in the money, that'd be great. But, geez, to bring home all the money and beat the world's best, <laughs> holy hell. Run in the money. She's, I'll tell you what, she ain't getting $24 again. No one's getting 24 bucks oh, no. again when Rockin' Horse comes on. Hey, Sammy, is this a is this a real shot across the bow for the for the people that want to get into racing, that, you know, that the, the, the people that don't get talked about? You know, you look at Jamie Mott. No one talked about Jamie Mott. It was J-Mac no. all week. You know what I mean? It was about Nature Strip. It was about Giga Kick. And then all of a sudden, Rocket Horse. No one mentioned Little Avondale, yourself and Katrina. Is this a shot across the bow and a, and a massive, um, I guess, pat on the back for all the, the people that don't get mentioned? Oh, look, I, I think, um, um, you know, racing, it doesn't matter where they come from. You know, otherwise, Sheikh Mohammed Dali would own all the best horses in the world, wouldn't they? Um, so, you know, we, we all walks of life, we've seen so many different people in the ownership of these horses. One thing I will say, though, Kempe, is that the New Zealand product, no matter if it's human or horse flesh, the, 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 the equine beast himself, the jockey, the trainer, how well have they performed in Australia this year and over this carnival? And if it's not the Kiwis beating the Aussies up, it's the Europeans beating them. Mm. How good. <laughs> oh, mate. It must be just an unbelievable feeling for yourself and your wife. And I, I watched it on TV and I could just see the emotions you were up and about. Must have been a hell of a night, was it? It was. Actually, the first thing I um, I realised after the race, after I gave Katrina a hug, I thought, shit, I hope I haven't broken a neck for a third time. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. I loved it. I loved it, mate. We're all proud of you back here. And a couple of punters got on. I backed Rockin' Horse 20 each way as he won the new market back in March. He could win the new market again next year. Remember to get on. Another winner soon. What is next for Rockin' Horse? Going to come and have a wee spell? Actually, um, yeah, look, more than likely she'll go to the paddock, um, Izzy. Mm. And um, the plan was always to, the Dali would be the last race of this campaign. And, uh, see obviously how she finishes this campaign before we embark on an autumn campaign 
you know, once she's a broodmare, she's a broodmare for the rest of her life. Um, so I uh, haven't spoken to Mike yet this morning, but um, look, hopefully in the autumn she'll be back and uh, go from there. But she deserves a, a well, well-earned rest in the paddock. Congratulations, Sammy. Thanks, Izzy. Thanks, Kempi. I tell you what, I think there's going to be a bit of a party here for the next week. <laughs> go hard. <laughs> Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91